Welcome to Engaging Parenting, the Bridgeway podcast on parenting kids and teens. And we're here to talk specifically about that glorious and terrifying work of parenting teenagers in our culture, why being spiritually and culturally informed is essential, and discussing practical tips on how you as a parent can confidently watch your teenagers thrive. And so my name is Pastor Matt, and I'm here with Pastor Cliff, our high school ministries pastor. Cliff, are you ready to go? Oh man, I am so, so ready. You see, when we started this podcast, I think there was two topics that we were most looking forward to. And I think most of these topics, most parents talked to us about. And the first one was social media and media. And we've already done that. We've done two episodes on that. Check back on the podcast to listen to those. And then today, um, this this podcast today, we're going to be talking about relationships. And I know most parents, uh, most human beings have a lot of opinions on relationships, especially, <laughs> everyone especially, has an opinion. Yes. Especially, um, relationships with teenagers and teenage relationships, not having relationships with teenagers, but yes. teenagers having relationships, teenagers with having teenagers. relationships. Thank you. Thank you for the <laughs> clarification. Um, but before we even talk about this, uh, this idea of teenagers dating teenagers, um, I want us to kind of go back to memory lane. Now, as a parent, you're, you're probably listening to this podcast in your car or at home or whatever. And it's been a while since you were a teenager. So I think a lot of times it, it's hard for us to connect with our, our child, with our son or daughter because we can't understand what they're feeling. So I want you to take a moment and think about when you were a teenager, um, late middle school, high school, and you saw that boy or girl that was in your math class. And obviously you weren't paying attention to math class because who does that, right? And you see that cute boy, that cute girl from across the classroom and you're like, your heart starts racing and you're like, oh man, what is happening? I want, ooh, that's a good sound. And, and you don't know what like how to talk to them. You see them in the hall and your, your heart starts racing again and you don't know what to do. But for some reason you want to spend time with that person. But unfortunately, because of, you don't know this at the time, but your, your brain hasn't fully developed yet. Um, and so you don't necessarily know how to deal with those emotions. You don't talk to your parents because your parents don't get you. That's your first initial thought, even though most of the time that is not true. So you go to school, you talk to your friends about it. Your friends tell you, oh yeah, go for it. Go for that guy, go for that girl. And then you end up in this weird relationship eventually, and you don't know what to do. Um, so just think about those feelings that arose in you. I know a lot of us, I know my parents tell me all the time about their relationships that they had in high school. You remember them. Just sometimes we don't choose to remember them. And here's the <laughs> the, the, the funny, the funny uh, key about this piece is uh, this last Wednesday, um, both Pastor Matt and I were wondering uh, about what uh, teenagers are thinking about relationships right now. So we took a little poll before um, youth group ended last, this last Wednesday, um, just kind of get a feel about what they're thinking about in this idea of teenage relationships. And the first question we asked was, what is the prime motivator of a relationship? Um, and we gave them four options. The first one was love. Um, social status was the second one. The third one was to know who you are um, going to marry. And then the fourth one was companionship. And the most um, clicked answer for this question was companionship. Not So not necessarily love, they're, these teenagers aren't necessarily looking for love, but they're looking for companionship. And I think that's a key piece that we need to continue to come back to when we're talking about teenage relationships. And I know some of you might be wondering, okay, if we would have put the answer sex, how many would have picked that yeah, as that's well? Interesting. But I think a lot of them know that that becomes uh, 
peripheral piece to some of those answers. But it, it lines up with what you know me and Pastor Cliff have seen as we've worked with teenagers and what a lot of you parents know, which is that when students are looking at their relationships, they're looking for something that's going to give them a deeper sense of belonging. Yeah. They want a close-knit union with someone else that builds connection both emotionally, mentally, and physically. And so, and part of that's their biological makeup of what's happening in puberty and adolescence. And that's where the the input that you give as parents, the the conversations that you have or maybe you haven't had yeah. make a big difference because when all that's happening, that's what their their desires are. And it was so great that Pastor Cliff was able to verify that, right? Yeah. For at least the students within our church that, you know, people are looking for that. We know that, but you as parents just realizing that again then gives you the tools to start kind of answering and talking with them, not answering, but dialoguing with them on, so what is it you're looking for then? Yeah. If you're looking for belonging and companionship, what are you really pursuing? Yeah. Right? And and because then, then that allows you to just even have a base level, mm-hmm. right, for talking Absolutely. with your kids in terms of the decisions they make with how physical they are when they're dating yeah. or whether or not they should be going out alone on a date with their date or whether it should be group dating. And these are things that you as parents, like you were taking us down memory lane, we start going back to how we functioned in our first relationships, whether it was in middle school, high school. My first like official date, I don't think wasn't until I graduated high school. And so that was me. Mm. I was I was yeah. a lame guy like that. Um, see, but see, even that, even that terminology, I was a lame guy. I, I had girls I was pursuing. I had, you know, people that I was interested in and had yeah. all those emotions you were talking about because I longed for companionship. But then, you know, I didn't have enough dialogues, even when I was in high school on, you know, you know, what was it that I was pursuing within that relationship? And so that kind of leads into like, the question that I know you as parents probably are always are wrestling with, and maybe you talked about it as a couple, or if you're a single parent, you've already kind of set a line, sometimes based on your experience yourself, yeah. and sometimes based on what you feel is best, but it's that question of, should people date in high school? Now, this yeah. is where you have some more insight for us right here. Yeah, and we asked this question to the teenagers this last Wednesday night, and you know, the majority of the students said yes. Yes, um, people should date in high school. And uh, I just want to take a moment and tell uh, you parents out there who are listening to this podcast where I, as a youth pastor, stand with this question. Because I get this question a lot. Um, Parents ask me this, students ask me this. And my kind of um, line that I draw is a very um, Switzerland-esque type line. Hmm, Um, Interesting. I tell tell parents, I tell students, I am never ever going to encourage a high school relationship, but I'm never ever going to discourage a high school relationship because there there are pros and cons to both of these things. Um, To me, I I was unhealthy in my relationships, both in middle school and high school. Um, I had a lot of girlfriends when I was growing up, way too many. And the reason why I had way too many is because I put my identity in them. Um, But, and that's the kind of the bad side of relationships in both middle school and high school. But what I found in those relationships is I found the type of person that I wanted to marry someday, right? And that, those are the things that even though there's a lot of heartbreak in high school relationships, let's be honest, 90% of high school relationships don't end well. Yeah. Now there's some high school sweet sweethearts. My parents, high school sweethearts, they went to senior prom yeah. together. Aw, Alicia and Chris Brewer, some of the high school ministry staff. Yep, same thing. But you're right; it's a one to two percent exactly. that actually go on to be together yeah. in a healthy relationship. And as forward. parents, you see these your kids hurt, and you're like, "Why are you dating? You're just going to get hurt." 
Um, and it goes back to the statement of, oh, honey, I don't want you to make the same mistakes I made in high school. But here's the reality with that statement. A lot of parents say that a lot is unfortunately that student needs to experience that hurt to fully know um, how to move on because they can't live their life in fear that they're going to be hurt from your own experience as a parent. So if we instill this this fear into a, um, a your son or daughter who's trying to date someone, they're going to be so nervous to date that they won't ever date. Yeah. But I know it's really hard for us to let go as parents, but it's it's crucial in these these teenagers that are longing for companionship to experience that hurt at some point. Yeah, and you're talking about the emotional hurt. Yes, the emotional like, hurt. Because I, I don't we don't want any parents to think that we're saying, yeah. "Hey, let them go and you know screw up to the utmost level." No, exactly. But it's talking about the 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 hurt that happens when somebody enters in a relationship yep. and then breaks up mm-hmm. or is broken up with, and so and uh, and. You know, that's where, like, it's really good as parents to just for yourself, because we're also trying to always teach students this, is how to understand even the differences between friendships and relationships. Yeah. Because that's what a lot of them don't don't spend enough time delineating, and it's become even more complex in our modern culture, postmodern culture, compared to when a lot of us or you as parents were dating. Because the term that still applies to today, though, is the DTR. Right, yep. people still have to define the relationship. They don't um, use that term anymore, but it's it's kind of a. But they, but they just have it's still a conversation, yeah. whether over text or on social media. Yeah. Um, you know, it comes out. But what's sliding sad, into the DMs? Yeah, <laughs> mm, the direct messages. Yep. Uh, but see, this is where even helping your son or daughters determine when is it dating and when is it just friendships. Because what's sad is that nowadays it's not always clear, and so. Media, TV shows have really ruined this because there are people that will go and they will make out and even do more and still say that they're not dating and not in a relationship because Mm -hmm. sometimes it's because their parents don't want them to be in a relationship and so they won't call it a relationship and they'll tell their friends, but they'll be physical or they'll actually have an emotional bond and they're spending time even sometimes alone with a person, but they'll still not say they're dating. Um, And that's why... It has to be talked about clearly. That's going to be the thing you're going to hear us talk about on this episode and our following episode is you have to be in communication. And that's why um, when I used to be doing high school ministry, kind of like Cliff, we were always kind of like neutral in this aspect where we would tell students, we're not going to tell you what to do. But then what we would say within the youth ministry is we'd say, if you are going to date, it's a communal relationship. And people would always be like, huh? What does that even mean? And and we would say, hey, it means that if you're going to be dating – all of us here are family and we all have the right and you have the right to interact with how your relationship is going, which means that me as the pastor, I could walk up to a guy if I knew the couple in their group and go, hey, how are you guys doing in your relationship? Yeah. You know, hey, have you been, are, are you starting to get sexually active? Because you know, and and all of them are like, what? And I'm like, and I'm like, but that's the same atmosphere you need to have in your home is that have that relationship and that that level with your with your kids with your teens that you're saying hey if you're going to date it's a relationship where you have to be totally um you have to be totally um I can't think of the word uh disclosing you know all parts of it how you feel within it how are they treating you yeah how, where are you guys setting for your life so that they understand that if they're going to go forward with something as big and important as as a relationship that you want open communication the whole way through, yeah. right? And that you you want to be able to encourage, but that means that you as a parent have to be willing to get into those conversations. Yeah, and I think that that leads us really well into our next question that we asked 
uh, the students uh, this last Wednesday is very simply, should parents teach um, their kids how to date? Um, and this was my most like intriguing answer that we got from the <laughs> students. Um, and it was split yes and no. Um, so some kids said yes, but other kids said no. I think there was the spread was different from like one one person. Uh, I think it was one more said yes than said no. Um, and what's interesting about the answer of this is it takes us a step back to look at the context of each and every family. Because in the reality of, of our culture today, we have blended families, we have single parent households, we have, um, you know, nuclear families, we have so many different contexts of, of, of a family. So if you are not a very good role model as a parent for your child, they are not going to want to learn how to date from you. Um, and I tell my volunteers this all the time is every single statement that you make in person, in text and phone call on social media, especially someone is watching you. Mm-hmm. And if if we are trying to be role models for our kids, then we need to role model what it looks like to date somebody and what it looks like to to date your spouse. You know, if you have one. And I, I think that's really interesting because I think those students, if you would ask the students who said, no, I don't want my parents to teach me how to date is because one, they feel like their parents are disengaged um, and they don't care. Or two, they see how their parents act in relationships and they don't want to. Mm. That's sobering. It is. And 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 yet this is, this is where you have an opportunity as a parent to go, even if we have a healthy relationship with our kids, right? So so it's great to have to weigh first where where is my relationship with my spouse and how am I modeling it? How am I showing love? How am I showing value yeah. and worth? Cuz your kids are watching that and see what's hard is our kids never really got to see you in the dating stage yep. or in the earlier parts of your relationship. Yeah. Um, and so what they're watching is the now when you're in the routine of working your jobs and raising a family and doing all that. And so that's where you have to remember, are you modeling what healthy dating looks like and stuff? And that can be a, a different podcast. We can talk more about that because I would love to get some uh, a couple different couples in from our yeah. church to talk about how they model that. Um, but what's cool is like what you're talking about is – how, how can you, though, coach them and give them direction if they're willing to listen to you on how to date? And there's a couple pieces that I always like to encourage both as youth leaders, but then I think as parents. And one is helping them understand the difference between love and infatuation, mm-hmm. um, which you have to be careful with that because they – if to them, this is very real and the emotion is very high. But to help them understand that you always are going to have infatuation. That's a biochemical thing that happens. But when does it move into – love when does it move into into something that's actually a deeper bond that that's supposed to happen and i think that's one of those things that it's one of the reasons why as parents and as sometimes just adults around teens we're always trying to tell them to slow it down Mm -hmm. and that's why i think one of the things you're able to do as a parent is really coach them on how do they determine the time and i think that's just a great conversation to ask them how long does it take to really get to know someone? That's yeah. a, that's a good dialogue to have with your with your teens. How many how many texts? <laughs> if we were going to go into their world, how many texts? How many DMs? How many Snapchats? How many hours? Yeah, does it take before you really know someone? And I think that just automatically makes them have to determine: is this just a friendship? Or is this a relationship? And am I moving into infatuation, or am I actually getting a chance to? know the person and see them um, at their best and their worst yeah. type of times, right? Um, but the hard part is, is that 
a lot of teenagers, they want to start on step four. <laughs> they yeah. they, they want to skip through all that first stuff and go right into the best parts, yeah. right? And everybody wants to do that though. Yeah, yeah. That's Adults the thing. do that just as much. Yeah. Um, there's a great um kind of advice from a, a couple named the the Perros, the parrots, uh, and they're doctors that write a lot of books on marriage and 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 such. And they have kind of four questions on relationships that you can always coach and you can write these down if um, you know, or re-listen to the episode if you're a parent, um, where you help your kids determine what do they have in common with the person? What attracts you to them, really? Which that's where sometimes the awkwardness of being a parent, like your your son or daughter may not want to say yeah, that stuff, but it still doesn't hurt to ask and prompt. And then again, even as a parent modeling, you can go, this is what attracted me to your to your dad or your mom, right? Yeah. Um, what do you want and what are you looking for? And then I think the most important question that they raise is, what are you willing to wait on mm-hmm. so that you're not settling? Because that's what, sadly, a lot of kids do in the infatuation stage is they settle because they want other pieces of that companionship and that physical attra- uh, physical attention or PDA. Um, yeah. You know? And so what are they what are they willing to wait on? So um, what are some of your thoughts on it, Cliff? What are, what are some of the things that become challenges? What are some of the things that also come into that? Well, I think kind of the, just to add to this, kind of taking a step back from relationships for a second and just talking about um, a parent and a and a student relationship. I think one of the biggest things you can do as a parent is learn how to ask the correct questions. Yes. Um, so it, it's so frustrating in any counseling class or psychology class that I, I took at Jessup or I've I've been in multiple times is they always tell you, okay, don't give the answer. You have to help them figure out what the answer is. Facilitate learning. Exactly. Because if you give them, okay, um, two plus two is four, and they don't even think about it, then they're not learning. And I think in in the context of relationships, um, you telling them what the end goal is, is not helping them learn. And I, and I know as parents, we, we, again, like I said before in this podcast, where um, we don't want them to make the same mistakes we did, um, we can't help them in that way. If they make a decision that's poor and you know that's poor, you can probably counsel them and be like, eh, I don't think you should be dating this person. Or you know in your head, uh, like, I don't think that's going to work out. There's been at least two to four relationships where when I was in middle school and high school, after they ended, I went to my parents and I was crying, you know, because I was so broken because this was the this was the one. And both my parents said, well, we knew it wouldn't work out. Now they said it in a much loving way, but that's pretty much what they said. And I was, I was frustrated at the time. Cause I'm like, why didn't you tell me? Like, why didn't you tell me that this wasn't the right person? But I'm realizing now as, as I study this more and more that on, again, we have to ask the right questions, but also allow the, the kids to know what the answers are right or wrong. Um, and so, and it comes into what dating looks like too. I really liked what, um, both Keith and Susan Ritchie were talking about in our last podcast, um, episode about this idea of dating their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, like Keith would take out his, his daughter on a, on a one-on-one date and he'd be like, Hey, this is what you should be looking for when a guy takes you out, you know, or, or Susan, you know, takes her, one of her sons out and is like, Hey, this is what you should be looking for when you're, when you're, when you're on a date. So those are those are super super good pieces. And there's actually a lot of um, good books that are out there and other pieces that are on how to be dateable, right? Yeah. Which is it's a great thing to talk to your teens about. Is hey, before you're even starting to look at who you're going to date, how, how are you even dateable right now? Yeah. Are you someone that you're going to value, you're going to love, 
and and cherish a person that you're going to have not be selfish about it, but you're going to be um, have a mutual and a and a um, uh, a humble approach to it. Now, again, these are sometimes bigger virtuous pieces, and they seem like man, they're never going to listen to this. That's why this takes time. And for those of you guys that have younger kids, middle school and even younger, you have to be developing that early. Yeah. Um, I remember like just speaking of you speaking of the Richies doing that. I remember when I was like 11 or 12 and I was interested obviously in relationships and and, and the ladies and stuff like that. I never officially dated, but I, I wanted to learn. And so I took my mom out on a date to Spaghetti Factory. She still brings it up to this That's day. That's awesome. And makes fun of me. Uh, Do you remember what you way. ordered? What'd you get? It was probably spaghetti with mazithra cheese. It's like still the best thing. If you, you don't get mazithra cheese you at are Cheesecake not Factory, you it's at just, Cheesecake Factory, not Cheesecake Spaghetti Factory. Spaghetti They're both factories, factory. so it counts. So many factories. Um, but um, it was just cool because it was the whole thing of like learning how to open the door for them, and then learning yeah. how to order for your for your date and things that were like you know some of it was still the chivalry of of mm-hmm. the of the day. I'm not that old, but it was still like I was on the back end of still valuing that. And so, um, but again, those things are, are helpful, but it's cool to suggest that as a parent, but it's greater when your, your students, your teens want to do that. Um, and so, but that's where like, this is where us as the youth ministry at a church, one of the things we always want to be doing is we want to be advocates and representatives, ambassadors for you as parents, where we want to encourage your students to go and do these things. We want to encourage them to grow within it. Um, another cool resource that um, I was sharing with Pastor Cliff um, a couple weeks ago is Craig Groeschel has a book called Love, Sex, and Happily Ever After. And he gives this gear analogy that he talks about is better than bases. And he talks about how this is a great way of helping your your sons or daughters kind of walk through the process. And he says, you know, first gear, and so you think of it like a stick shift, is you want them to have friendship in groups. That's where most relationships are nurtured, where that time period is grown. And it means that they don't go AWOL from their friends and all their other connections and become this exclusive couple that are hanging all over each other. And it's all about just them two Mm -hmm. is that you say, Hey, you want to stay in first gear. Most of the driving you do in a car is in in first first gear. gear. Yeah. Um, Then second gear, they start spending maybe more time alone, but they're on public dates and they're still learning a lot about each other's character and their competency. And that's where friendship can blossom in a greater way because it's more focused. Yeah. But it's still in a public atmosphere where it's not just about them too. And that's where you want to encourage them to do that versus sitting at home and watching TV shows, right? Which, I mean, I can even think about when my wife and I, Becky, were dating, how many times we just sat and watched shows. And I know that becomes a default thing in our day and age, but to not not to encourage them to get out and do stuff together. And then and they talk about third gear being a more serious look at long-term commitment. And that's where you tell them to start considering what this might look like if it's more long-term, this is a future relationship. But I think one of the problems, and this is what Groeschel talks about, is sadly a lot of students start jumping to fourth and fifth gear, which is like engagement and marriage. Mm-hmm. And students start acting like they're married yeah. When they're still just dating. Yeah. And and a lot of them don't realize that they start doing things and mm-hmm. acting in ways that actually would befit marriage. And which is why when they break up, it's, it's so, such a huge it's so deal. devastating because a lot of them, they don't stay in these first three gears. They start at gear four mm-hmm. and they start at gear five and they're getting physical and they're making each other each other's lives and yeah. they only spend time with one another constantly. 
And sometimes we as parents encourage that. Like sometimes yeah. you're that family that you want to invite them in. Always. And yep. you're like, oh, I'll just have them stay as long at our as house. I, as long as they're at my house, they're fine. But then they, it becomes just about them. And so that's why you want to encourage them into community and encourage them into doing this with their friends. Yeah. You know, like having their friends around and journeying in that together, um, you know, because that's, you know, that's a big piece. But, but I think another question that this leads to, Cliff, is where does culture and media play into it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, what's interesting about culture media is they're teaching your child how to date. Um, and you know, you look at TV shows, you look at movies and as soon as someone starts liking somebody else, they start moving in together. Like moving in together is now like a huge, huge deal. Like that's, that's, uh, you know, if we're talking about gears, that's like year four or five, uh-huh. right? If you look at culture and media, that's what they're saying. Um, you want to move in with them. I mean, the first show I think about is, is the bachelor. Um, by the end of, I think it's six weeks, there's an engagement. Um, I think it's six weeks, maybe it's a month and a half. Um, but that show alone is, is telling our students that you can get to know someone so well within a month and a half period. And what's crazy about that is the statistic of that show. Sorry, I'm a nerd about the show. Um, (laughs) is you spend from episode one to the very last episode, if you made it all the way to the end, and if you're the person that the the bachelor bachelorette picks, you have spent a good around two to three hours with them the entire time. Um, because even in a, a one-on-one date on this show that supposedly takes the whole day, you don't see the like... It's, it's edited, of it's, course. It's edited, right? Um, but you don't see the interactions that they don't have, right? Um, they talk a little bit. They can't even eat on camera. Like there's so many rules. You know, you can't even have your phone during this entire show. Like you can't listen to music. Anyways, um, but this show is showing students how they should date. Um, and unfortunately that's not accurate. And I think this gear system that pastor Matt is talking about, I think is the best depiction that I have heard uh, as far as what teenage relationships should look like. We have to be okay with staying in gear one and two because in gears one and two, um, is where we truly find out who this person is. And what's nice about it is if in gear one and two, you realize, oh man, I don't like that about that person or man, I don't think I can live with this. Well, you can get out and there's no pressure. You know, you don't feel like you you have some sort of like, oh, I, I got to stay in. And and what's hard and what I've seen in a lot of teenage relationships is they get in a month, two months in and they're like, oh, I can see this not working out, but we're already so far in. Why? I don't want to hurt them. Like, what do I do? So we get trapped in this because they care. Right. Um, so that's that's kind of what I think about that that whole piece. Yeah, I think you as parents have to realize, and even as you're watching shows, to realize what toxic examples are there on how relationships go. And I, I know a lot of us tend to jump right to the sexual stuff, which will be actually be a part of our next episode talking about this, is where our culture tends to over-enhance that. But if, you're, if your students only are taking what dating looks like from a show like Bachelor or Bachelorette or, or How I Met Your Mother – Right, which is a very popular show, or New Girl, or New Girl, or I mean, we could sit the there office. and go through. You know, um, it, there's there's some pieces that you're gonna you're gonna realize it's telling them it's totally okay, and and it's they're gonna get the world's concepts. And this is where one of the things that you can be establishing as a parent, and we're always doing as a as a church and a youth ministry, is helping them understand that as people that follow Jesus Christ, as people that are trying to grow closer to our God, we want to live in a way that's different than our culture, not the same. And and I think that's yeah. one of those pieces that 
our, our kids don't hear that enough, that we are trying to live distinctive, um, angular lives that people see, hey, you value this differently. And so that they're not just another teenager doing the typical teenage relationship, but there's someone that even when a or girl or guy is interested in your son or daughter and they want to enter into a relationship, they recognize that your teen is different and not different in the weird kind of kooky way, but different that they go, man, they they treat this way more seriously and way more, more valuably. And again – now you're more dateable and more and more like prepared your kids are and, and you as a parent can be seeding that all the way along so kind of as we we close up this this episode um i do have one little more thought about this whole idea of dating um one of the best advice um that i have ever had uh, someone told me is this idea that when and you should tell your student this like today uh, if you guys have talked about um, relationships before, if they are interested in a, a boy or girl at school or wherever, um, have them before they get into a point where year two or even three, where they're like, you know, I, I'm ready to go on one-on-one dates with this person. Like I'm ready to do this, have them meet their core people and their core people are their, their best friends, right? Um, their best girlfriends, their, their best guy friends, you guys, and maybe a cousin or, or a sibling who knows them really well. Sit them down, have dinner with your family and their friends, and just hang out. And then what you do afterwards is when that person goes home, when your the potential date goes home, you, you talk to your people that you love and that you care about. Hey, what do you think? Because I guarantee you, if you choose the right people to sit around that dinner table, they will tell you flat out, this is not the person for you or this is the person for you. What's great about that is it starts off that relationship with a sense of maturity of, man, I care about who's around me. And what's really great about that too is as a parent, when your son or daughter brings you in on that decision, you feel a lot more um, ownership of that relationship because you were a part of it. Yeah, They cared about your opinion. And so you're going to trust them more when they're like, hey, I'm going to go on a date with with my girl and my boy. And you'll be like, cool, I love them. You know, So if you start off that relationship with that dinner where you sit down with your people and you're like, hey, what do you think? It, it'll, it'll help that gear one and two not go by so quickly. But- also, as a student, if if they feel the support from their family, they're going to feel more, way more relaxed. They're not going to feel rushed or um, wanting to jump into other gears because their friends are. They'll be happy where they're at. So thank you for listening to this episode of Engaging Parenting. Um, our next episode, we're going to be talking a little bit more about dating and relationships with teenagers. But talking and about when it starts entering into sexual activity. Yes, it's going to be so Just to great. prepare you. <laughs> as, as always, if you have any questions, please email us at ask at bridgeway.church. And we can't wait to talk more about this on our next episode. Thank you for listening to the Engaging Parenting Podcast, hosted by Pastor Matt Bach and Pastor Cliff Woodward, presented by Bridgeway Christian Church. For more information about Bridgeway and other content, visit bridgeway.church.